morning's scripture is taken from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. <clears throat> is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save them, one from who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This morning I want to take some time and discuss one of the most important spiritual disciplines that God's given us and, and granted to us, and that's the the discipline of prayer and the power of prayer. Um, way back years ago, um, as this is a story from when I was a, a kind of a factory rat. I was a young man and I, I worked with a man who he worked in the shop part time, but then he also worked part time as a preacher at one of the local churches in Indiana. And uh, I remember one time his wife's car wouldn't start. And so I saw him out in the parking lot after work and he had his hands on her car. And, buddy, he was just prayerfully going after it with God on this car. Uh, he was I mean, buddy, he was going to try to bring this car back to life. Now, some of you may know after you've ran the battery down in a car trying to start it and the battery gets slower and slower, you get kind of frustrated. And so you walk away from it for a while and, and, and you think, well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try this in a little bit. And in the midst of all that, sometimes a battery has a memory and it'll kind of build up enough power. So he goes back out after about 45 minutes and he hits that thing and it goes boom, 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 and it fires up. And I, hallelujah, I hear him pray it out in the parking lot. And I remember thinking to myself, as, as not a very strong and practicing Christian at the time, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, surely God has better things to do than make sure this guy's car starts. There's a stretch of highway between Kansas City and Indianapolis that I know very well. In fact, you get on the other side of East St. Louis, there's this place called Mile High Pies. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but that's that's one of the stopping points generally on a Dishman expedition back to Indianapolis. I know this road well. Because uh, and, and now there's something else that I know that stretch from, say, East St. Louis to Effingham for it's 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 part of my testimony. It's the place in East St. Louis that I began to pray, Lord, heal my mother. You see, it was a spring day. It was an April spring day. It was kind of chilly out. And I had received a call that morning from my father saying that my mother had been diagnosed with cancer. Now, it wasn't the first time that the Dishman family had been through illness. I had cancer some 18 years ago. I feel great. I, uh, I have no lingering issues with cancer. So I figured, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to give it to God. I'm heading back to Indianapolis. 
No big deal. I'll meet mom and dad at the hospital. No problems. This will all be fine. There's another stretch of road on the west side of Indianapolis. It's called 31st Street. It goes into the downtown. It goes past the orthopedic doctor that fixed my leg, that worked on my leg when I had cancer. And it goes right past that doctor to the hospital where my mom was. I will no longer go west around Indianapolis when I go because I'll never forget driving down that road and walking into that hospital to have my fathers tell me that mother's cancer was stage four. It was untreatable. And I'll never forget what in that moment that did to my prayer life. It was like this instant ding on my prayer life. God, you don't understand, man. Don't you remember back in East St. Louis? I was I was telling you it was going to be okay. I'm a minister. I work for you every day. What's up? What's going on? You're telling me you can't hear me? You know, James presents a view of prayer that can seem as though if you ask in prayer for something and you're faithful, you get what you ask for. And a lot of people are taught prayer from this perspective and they get hung up on this because what happens when you are a faithful person and you ask and it doesn't happen that way? And I've sat with Christian after Christian who have struggled with this. I've sat with with people who are seeking one after another. And they say, you don't understand. I thought if I was faithful, this was going to happen this way. And so there's a dilemma here if this is where we stop. And and here's what I I want to introduce today. And I got a really short time, a short window to do it, but I'm going to try to do it. We're going to revisit this sometime when we can unpack it more. But this is where we're going today. Scripture is generally looked at from two perspectives. One perspective is the lens that you look at, at Scripture in, in the sense of it's, it's like a, um, uh, uh, a theology, if you will. Right. Another way that you can look at Scripture is through the lens of, um, of uh, I keep losing the word here, <laughs> um, philosophy. There we go. Philosophy. Why is that giving me such a tough time? So you can look at it through the lens of philosophy, which on a lot of our college campuses right now, Scripture is being taught from a point of view of a philosophy. Randy Harris this summer at Lipscomb University did a lecture for us, and he said, you know, there's a difference. The difference between uh, someone who deals in philosophy and someone who deals in theology is this. Someone who deals in philosophy, they're kind of like looking for a black cat in a dark alley on a dark night. Okay, a theologian's a little different. He's a guy that's looking for a black cat in a dark alley on a dark night, and he thinks he found it. Okay, now I'm going to I'm going to attempt to be a very poor theologian today, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think I found the cat, but I think I may have seen it fly by me. Okay, so James presents this point of view, and and this is this is what it builds in us. It says it builds in us a thought that when I've done everything I can do to be as faithful as I can be, then God will perform the task that I've given him to perform for me. Here's the problem with that thinking. It's all about me and it's all about I. I had this football coach. I'll never every time you would do something stupid. And you would say, but coach, I, 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 and he'd bring that big, stinky, fat arm around you and, and just about choke you with it. And he'd say, son, there's no I in team. There's no I in team. Our relationship with God's not about I or me. 
And God wants us to remember that. And in philosophy, when we look at Scripture, it can build that mentality in us that it's it's about what we can do. It's about what I can do. Now, I believe this. Second Timothy three sixteen says all scriptures God breathed and it's good for teaching and rebuking, connecting, training and righteousness. That's true. So if we have this understanding from what we read in James, there's something wrong with the way we're seeing it. So we'll look at it through the lens of theology. We'll begin to bring scripture together and see how the story comes out when you bring the whole story into it. And to do this, we need to contrast what James teaches with that, with with what Paul teaches in Romans chapter eight. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Romans, the eighth chapter. And we're going to start in verse 18 and we're going to read through 27. And we're given these words, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present Time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. So my prayer and my testimony went from God, I know this is going to work out. Everything's going to be okay, And all of a sudden I take this thing and I'm not even sure what to pray for. I sit next to my mother and I know she's sick and we know that it's terminal. And 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 so, God, you know, in that moment, the blessing was God's given us a little time, right? We've got we got 16 months. We're going to go to Disney World. We're going to take the big trip. We're going to take the big vacation. Everything's great. So the prayer becomes, God, in this time, give us give us just those special moments and let us enjoy every one of them. Right. So I come back to Kansas City. That becomes my prayer every day. I'm kind of sorting through how I feel about all this. I, I'm secure in that prayer, but I just don't feel like I'm giving I'm giving everything to God in that prayer. And then I get a call and says, hey, Tony, I think you better come home. Your mom fell this morning. She was pouring milk into a cereal bowl. We've had some tests done. And I thought she just slipped and fell. And but it seems like the cancer is in her spinal cord and she's losing control of her lower extremities. You want to talk about not knowing what to pray for anymore. I'm wondering whether I should say anything more in prayer, because I don't even know at this point if I keep praying, I may not make it home to see her in the drive. I'll never forget that plane ride home, sitting in the plane and not knowing what to say and not knowing how to say it. And we see these two extremities offered by these two men of faith in the Bible. One saying, you know exactly what to pray for. Pray for it in faith and it's going to happen just like you say it. But you and I all know people of faith that we've sat with families who are struggling. We've sat with loved ones who are ill. We've said those prayers, haven't we? And then they don't come to pass. You know, and you can look at this on a simpler note. Think about it this way. How many people do you think in California this summer have prayed for rain? Anybody? 
Now, there's either no one in California that's righteous. Amen. And I don't think Pepperdine's that liberal. Right. I mean, we have we the Church of Christ has a college campus in California. You're telling me no one there's righteous enough to bring rain. And then we've been broken down as well, all the way to the point of not even knowing we've sat with families and saying, I don't I don't know what else to say. And we begin to search for what is God's meaning. Paul, Paul offers what some would see as contrasting views than James in Romans eight. And Paul says, we don't know what to pray for versus James saying we know exactly what to pray for. Well, which one is it? Which one is it this morning? I mean, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be? What most people would land on as being the final question, well, you know, if we're studying this out and you're, you're teaching me what the Bible says about prayer, which which one, Tony? Which one is it? And the theologian does what in these cases? Takes something that one writer says and takes something that another writer says and a good theologian will go back to Jesus. Right. What would Jesus say? Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter six is where we'll start. But before we do, I'm going to paraphrase something from Genesis chapter three that I think is important here. When the serpent is challenging Adam and Eve in the garden, what's the one thing that he says Adam and Eve will be able to do if they eat of the fruit? It says God knows you'll be able to know what he knows to be like him. Paraphrased. In our prayer life, here's what I want to ask you. Are we concerned more with being like him? Maybe even in some cases being him. I mean, really being demanding. Or are we more concerned with being his? Jesus is is going to give us some some lessons about that. There's three things that go together to to fix and repair things. There's thinking. There's working. And there's praying. And sometimes we're thinking when we should be working. And sometimes we're working when we should be thinking. And sometimes we're thinking and working when we really should just be praying. Jesus is going to teach us that all three go together. I'll give you a quick illustration. How many of you know John Turner? Our our intern minister, our apprentice minister. John does an awesome job preaching. We all love John. About three weeks ago, I walk in the office and John, I mean, John's up against it. He's sweating worse than I'm sweating right now. And I'm sweating. As John, what's going on? And he say, well, Sharon's going to kind of keep track of me. I'm taking a big test today. Remember this day, John? And so John said at the desk, he's getting ready to take this humongous test. And and I, I sat with him and, and he had studied and prepared. He was ready to go. And I said, you know, John, I know you've probably done this, but I'm going to pray with you. Before you take this test, I remember praying with him and and I was watching him take the test through the window and walk by ever so often. And and he was getting through it. And you could just tell And I don't know what happened, John. I'm guessing you passed the test because I know you're going on to the next phase. So that's a good thing. But could you imagine if he takes that test without doing the work? I mean, if all we did was pray about it. Now, John's a, a good guy and he knows a lot about the Bible. I'll give you that. But if he hadn't done the work, that could be disastrous. Well, at the same time, if he does all the thinking in the world, what about doing something that big without prayer? So thinking, working and praying go hand in hand. When creation decided to pursue not a relationship 
belonging to God, but to be like God, in some cases to be God, prayer becomes less about faith and more about submission. We have to learn how to submit. And in doing that, prayer is just as much a way of listening as it is talking. And think about that for just a moment. When I sit down and pray and I start going through this long list of wants and needs and desires, where does the listening part come in? Where do I get that that feedback? Jesus shows us, I think, here in the beginning by giving us two bookends of prayer that I want us to think about this morning that can lead us to praying selflessly. And focus our spiritual life on being prayerful. Jesus says in Matthew six nineteen through 13, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The teaching to his followers was to begin by acknowledging who God was where God was and the role that God plays in the relationship between heaven and the world. And he says, he says, your will be done on earth here in what we're doing, just as it is in heaven. Our prayer life begins with an acknowledgement that it is God's will that we seek. That no matter no matter what it is we want or what it is we're crying out for, we have to be able to acknowledge that God has a will in that. I had to be able to sit next to my mother and acknowledge and understand that I didn't know why this was happening at age 59. And I didn't understand why everything I was praying for, God was doing something completely different. But I did have to acknowledge that he was in control. And I've seen him do some unbelievable things since my mom's death. I have an aunt and uncle now. My aunt is teaching Sunday school class in in, in the church that they attend. And my uncle is reading scripture. These two people never went to a church before this happened in my family. God does unbelievable things even when we want him to do something else. When God doesn't answer prayers just like we think he ought to, he's still at work and he's still doing some unbelievable things. And we have to step back and listen as much as we talk. And we have to be willing to submit in our prayer life and not just demand. And heaven help us if our message goes out to people who are seeking that, hey, if you become faithful, you get baptized, you become a Christian. You're, if you're faithful enough, everything will happen just like you want it to. That's a stumbling block. And we have to be careful of that. What we have to teach is that God's will will be done. Jesus gives us the other bookend in Matthew 26 and verse 39. He says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but as you will be done. Jesus knew the picture of what was about to happen to him. 
I want you to think about that for just a minute. He knew the end of the story. Right. We have the benefit, right, of opening the Bible. And we know that when Jesus is handed over to the soldiers, we we know what's going to happen, don't we? We've read that. We know what is about to take place is a terrible thing that mankind does to the Savior. We also know it has to happen. So Jesus has all of this going through his mind. He knows what Isaiah meant by being hung on a tree in prophecy. He knows what kind of death that is. And he says, Father, I don't I don't want to do this. Please take this cup for me if you can. But then he goes on to say what? Yet not my will. But your will be done. In the last days of mom's life, I had to learn that prayer. And I'll never I, I, I understood it. I did. And I've taught it to people many times. I will tell you the depth of this verse did not hit me until I'm sitting in Nashville about a month and a half ago. And Randy Harris spoke a lesson that had a lot of this woven into it. And all of a sudden, in that moment from Randy's words, I understood what God meant. And this moment of stillness came about me. And this moment of humility came about me. And there was a depth of prayer that God, I believe, wanted me to understand that I grasped for the first time. And I thought, man, I'm going to teach this. Because church, I know we do a lot of praying. You know, I've had I've I've went up to people before and said, well, you know, you got to pray about that. And they'll look at me and say, well, don't you think I have? But here's something I know. I know that if we have a prayer event versus almost any other kind of event we have at church, we get half the attendance that we do other things and sometimes even less than that. I know that prayer in some families becomes kind of a a foregone thought or it's something that we do around the dinner table, but we don't we don't always do it together. This this family came to me in in the last couple of weeks and we've talked about. Spiritual love languages and one of the love languages that that the wife and this is someone way outside. So don't be looking around wondering who it is. <laughs> That's always the fun part of that. Um, the, the wife was essentially telling her husband her love language was she wanted to see him lead the family in prayer. She wanted to see him lead her in prayer. And this part of their family, this part of their spiritual interaction with each other was absent. So this morning, I not only plead for us to continue to be a praying people, but to become even more so a praying people. We have such an opportunity to connect with God that way. And it begins with submission. And it begins with listening more than talking. And it begins with understanding who God is. We can be and share. We can be people who share our hearts Selflessly and prayerfully. And there's a world out there that needs that from us and that wants that from us and wants to join us in that process. This morning, um, I want us to do something just a bit different uh, before we sing the invitation song. We're just going to take a moment and be quiet. And all the young kids are saying, after that big guy out there yelling at us, I'm ready for that. But we're just going to take a moment and be still. If you're anything like me, there's some things that you've been thinking about. 
or maybe that you've been working on. And maybe you've even been praying about it, but maybe you've kind of adopted James's approach to prayer and and we've kind of forgotten to put the Jesus piece in it. Or maybe you've even kind of been in Paul's shoes where you haven't even been sure what to say. And, and you forgot that maybe we just need to follow Jesus and say, God, your will be done, not mine. But I just want you to take this moment of silence and think through that. If you have your notes and you want to write down what that thing is that you need to give to God. And say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I've, I've worked on this. I just can't seem to find the answer. I'm, I'm giving this to you today. Just take this few minutes of silence before Jerome invites us to stand and sing. And think your way through it. Pray your way through it. May God's peace for you be found in your quietest of times. Where you submissively sit and listen. And talk to God. May you find peace in that. In the name of Jesus.